It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we're talking all about zone of genius, how to find yours. So really talking about what a zone of genius is, how do you know if you're in it, what to do if you're not in it, just really digging into that. Because when you're in your zone, when we say zone, it's... It's when time doesn't really exist. So you could be working on whatever it is that you're working on. If you're in your zone and all of a sudden four hours has passed by and you don't even realize it because time doesn't exist when you're playing in that zone. And there are few people in this world that actually find their zone. There are even fewer people that are able to get paid to play in their zone. And that's just a bonus. You don't have to get paid to play in your zone. Some people find it through volunteering efforts. And so do they get paid? Yes, but is it a financial payment? Maybe it comes, the payment comes in the form of gratitude from other people or the experience that it creates in them. So know that when you're playing in your zone of genius, sometimes it may be linked to a financial benefit, but sometimes it's not. And so why is this important to host this show on the Kathleen Reeson show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Our target, our target audience is executive leaders, which is a lot of the people that I work with. And the reason that zone of genius is such an important topic here to discuss is that when I find the, the leaders that are working in their zone of genius, that, that are in their lane, that know that what they're up to matches exactly with their skill set, those are the best leaders. Those are the ones that can create something out of nothing. They're the ones that when challenges come up, they don't let them hold them back. And so if we can work our way towards our zone of genius, this is not something overnight. And I'd love to tell you that at the end of this show, you're going to know your zone of genius. Probably not. But what you'll have are the tools to dig in and understand what your zone of genius might be. And so that's what we're set up for in today's show. Sound good? You in? All right. I can, it's like I can hear you saying, yes, Kathleen, I'm in. Let's keep going. Well, I'm going to pretend that that's what you're saying anyway. So zone of genius, how to find yours. One of the things that we want to start with here is that your zone of genius could be obvious to you, and it might not be. Most of the time, what I find is that when we're working in our zone of genius, we may not even realize it at first, but everybody else around us recognizes it. And so what happens when we finally find our lane and we latch onto it, we might say to somebody, hey, guess what? You'll never, you're never going to believe this, but I've been working on this and you're describing it and it is really exciting and I just, I never saw it as something that I would have loved. And the person that you're talking to, if they know you well, will say, you're the only one that didn't see that. You're the only one. Because most of the time, your zone of genius is very apparent to the people around you. And so that is one of the things, if you're wondering, gosh, I just don't know what my zone of genius is, go ask the people around you. Because they may have some insight for you. I was talking with a friend this morning, and she was mentioning that she has, that her son just graduated from high school. And so his friends have chosen to go off to college. He has not chosen that path. His Parents, my friend and her husband, are both very entrepreneurial. 
They have multiple businesses and her son has chosen to learn that. And so he's learning from them instead of going to college right now. So there's no judgment on that. That's a wonderful path. Everybody takes a different path. And in this case, one of his best friends that went off to college, he's a very kind, caring, sweet, genuine young man. He is someone that uh, possesses the ability to understand someone's spirit and work, connect with them on a really deep level. He enjoys a slower pace. And so when you see the characteristics of this young man, you could think about potential zones of genius for him. And when my friend told me where what this young man was studying in school, I was a little surprised by that, as was she when she learned about it. So he's going into construction management. Now there's nothing wrong with construction management. It is a wonderful career. It can be it can be fitting for so many people. But what she saw, my friend, was that here is a, a, a young man that really loves connecting deeply with people. He doesn't necessarily enjoy the doing, the, the uh, mechanisms of work. He really enjoys the connection piece. So really being in relationship with people, not about producing specific results, and meaning uh, laying a concrete path, a, a sidewalk, a driveway. It, those kinds of things aren't as exciting. Or building a house or a building, that stuff doesn't attract him the way that maybe connecting with people would. And so in that case, perhaps a career in sales might be a little bit more a better fit for him or somewhere like uh, guidance counselors or at a school, or there's lots of different paths, but this path that this child chose or perhaps was chosen for him was construction management. And so you could start to see a gap there. Now, what happens in this situation It when, a, 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 in this case, the young man, he starts out on this path and somebody, maybe somebody else thought construction management would be good for him, or perhaps he just thought construction management was the place he was going to go. But you can start to see there's a gap between where your natural skill sets are and then the career path that you choose. And as you go further and further down those paths, you start to get separated from what you're really naturally good at. And you develop skills so that you can still be really good at whatever it is that you want to do. For example, this young man could be a wonderful at construction management, but if his heart is into something else, his natural skill set is in another area, what, what becomes a challenge then is later on in his life, now this is not 100%, but this is something that I see over and over and over again, is that now we get into a dilemma. Because what happens in, in a typical situation, like with this young man, he gets older, let's just say he gets married, he has kids, and he's working in the construction management profession. He's making decent money, and all of a sudden he realizes, I'm not playing in the space that I'm really meant to play in. But I get paid really well, and my family is counting on this income to su succeed. And now you got a real choice to make. Do you want to follow your passion or do you want to follow the paycheck? And this, my friends, is what's called the golden handcuffs because now you've got a choice, purpose, passion, or paycheck. So it's the dilemma of the piece, purpose or passion or the paycheck. Which one are you going to choose? And so this is where a lot of people get into turmoil and stress. And it typically happens in the 
30s, late 40s, uh, even into the early 50s, I still see it. By the time we get into the, the late 50s, what I typically see happen is that at that point, we say, oh, well, we're close to retirement, and so we'll just finish off our years. They may not be great, but we'll finish off our years. But here's the challenge that's happening now. The retirement age, if you look at this, now not to get dismal on you here, but the retirement age is increasing, meaning that we are retiring at a later age. It used to be 60, and then it was 65, and now it's creeping up to 67, 68. But the average age of death is creeping downwards. So we, the, the generation, I am 40, the, our generation will actually not live as long as our parents, according to statistics. So what this is saying, the average age of death right now is 76.1. This is according to the U.S. Census Bureau. So it, it really encapsulates North America, but specifically into the United States. The average age of death is 76.1. So now you see what's happening. Retirement age is creeping up. Average age of death is creeping down. And so these, when we talk about well, we're going to save for retirement and we'll do all the things that we love to do and really play in our passion and our purpose when we retire. Well, that window between retirement and average of death is actually shortening. It's shortening. And that leaves us with a choice. As somebody, again, who's 40 years old and I have, you know, 25 years left, let's just say, of working. If I'm gonna work till I'm 65, I've got 25 years left to work. Now, I have been in the workforce now for roughly, let's see, I went into the workforce when I was 22, so I've had 18 years of being in the workforce, and I've got about 25 years left. So I'm not quite in the middle, but pretty close. Let's just call it in the middle, right? This middle age. So I didn't think I was old until I'm sitting here talking about the middle age on the radio. <laughs> But what I mean to tell you, and this is the point that I really want you to hear, is that if you are questioning power or passion versus paycheck, you are not alone. This is a real challenge, and it really starts because when we leave high school or we find our path, we're very young. You know, really, we get out of high school at 18 years old, on average, and now we're asked to be able to pick our profession for what we want to do for the rest of our lives. On average, people ch people change their career paths three different times. So it's not unusual to make these shifts, but when you get locked in, especially at the senior leadership role, at that level, you really get into this challenge of handcuffs. And so it stops us from really stepping into our zone of genius. And what I want to tell you is that it's still possible to have both it's still possible to play in your zone of genius. And some people do that through volunteer efforts outside of work, and some people are fortunate enough to be able to find opportunities within work. Now, I'm gonna share with you an experience that I had. I was running my strategic marketing firm, so I started my first business when I was 26, and I was six months pregnant with my first child. And I ran this firm for 10 years, but I knew at about seven years in that something had changed. Now, when I started this firm, it was very much in my zone of genius. My zone of genius meaning that I could create solutions to problems, create clarity where there was confusion, and I could work with leaders that were attempting to run their businesses and move them forward and offer a set of, of solutions to be able to solve that problem. And because my knowledge space had been in marketing, it seemed natural to be able to apply marketing to those solutions. So we were coming forward with marketing solutions. 
And so that was my way of playing in my zone of genius. Plus the bonus was my kids, I mean, this time I was pregnant with my first kid. I didn't even have kids outside of my body yet. And it served the purpose where when I did have children, I had the flexibility to be present with them. So when they had a day off of school or they were sick, I could adjust my schedule to reflect that. And could I do that in a full-time role? Sure. But for me, entrepreneurship was a way to do that. Now, there are all kinds of different ways that you can choose. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. But what I'm saying is for me, I found a place where I could be in my zone of genius and be with my family so it all worked. If it doesn't work, if there's a rub in one area or let's just say you're, you're playing in your zone of genius at work, but you're at work all the time and you're not with your family and that causes you and your family stress, then are you really in your zone? So all those have to be in alignment. So it's knowing what your lane is that you're playing there and the all other areas of your work and your life play together. So that's really when we say, gosh, you're in the zone. We mean all of those are playing together. So I ran my firm for, for 10 years, but seven years in, I really had this knowing that, that the solutions that I was offering were changing. The challenge was I had really got great employees. We had this business that was functioning really well on its own, but I was the one that was changing. And as I realized, I got into more and more conversations, that marketing scope was less appealing to me, to me, to Kathleen. And the business, the higher level business conversations and leading the team forward, that was more exciting to me. And I realized that the solutions that I wanted to offer to some of these complex problems that my clients were coming forward to be solved by being over my team, those were the solutions were changing. And I got into a real pickle here. And when I say purpose or passion over uh, paycheck, what I mean is I had created a really nice paycheck in my company. But the challenge was that I saw my passion shifting. And that's okay. Know that your passions can shift. And I had a choice. I could stay the status quo. I could keep going with what I created because there was nothing wrong with it. It was a wonderful, phenomenal business. So either the business got to change or I got to change. And I made the decision five years ago that I got to change and I got to focus fully on the leadership development piece and, and that angle. And so I got to up level in some of the education that I had, I went and studied emotional intelligence for three years and leadership development extensively out on the coast. I got to play with a lot of different companies and teams and executives, it was really cool. And it makes me the powerful leader and coach and consultant that I am today, had I not gone down that path. But I can tell you, that was a real hard conversation when I was looking at passion and purpose versus paycheck. And when you've created that paycheck and you built that, it's very hard to walk away from that. And yet I know that this is a conversation that a lot of people are having. And you don't have to own, have your own business to have that conversation. You could be somebody who has risen in the ranks and you finally made this executive level position and you're very proud of where you are. And now you're saying, this is what I've wanted for so long. Now that I'm here, why don't I want it anymore? What is going on? And so it's really important to notice that your zone of genius can shift. Or perhaps you haven't been playing in your zone of genius, but because you've had some skills in that area, you've risen to that place. And maybe you're like that young man that went into construction. And now all of a sudden, here he is in his 40s in construction management and saying, oh, 
I'm doing really well here, but I'm not sure this is where I want to be. And so then it's about shifting. Well, you can take that shift. <laughs> you don't have to. You definitely don't have to. And what I know to be true is that most of the time we want to. We want to make that shift. So if you're listening and you're saying, okay, Kathleen, I hear this, and I'm not quite sure what my zone of genius is. I might be playing it. I might not. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute, but first we're going to go on a quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about zone of genius, how to find yours. Right before the break, I said to you, the conversation we would be having is if you don't know what your zone of genius is, or you are wondering if the lane that you're playing in is truly your zone of genius, then we're going to dig into that. And so that's what we're going to go into next. Now, when I say the word lane, I mean, think about like you're driving down the road and you've got two different lanes. You've got the lane coming at you and the lane you're in. And what I mean is you could choose whichever lane you want to be in. If you get into the lane though the traffic's coming at you, that's not going to end well because you're probably going to get in an accident. And so that we don't want that. But what happens is, it's such a such a great description of when we aren't playing in our own lane we hop into a different lane and it doesn't end well it ends in an accident and it just doesn't end well meaning that we stress ourselves out we aren't playing at our highest we we take shortcuts and so if you believe that you're not energized at the end of the day. You've left it all on the table, and yet you don't have anything, you don't have anything left. You, by noon, you are out of energy. And so the work that you're doing, you're no longer excited about it. Then this is something you get to look at is perhaps you've entered the other lane, and the traffic's coming at you, and you are headed for an accident. Now, I knew this was the case as I explained to you my story about when I got to shift because my zone of genius had, had shifted. <laughs> what I was really good at had actually elevated to not just having marketing strategy conversations, but actually having business strategy conversations. You know, now I work with executive leaders with an emphasis on senior leadership teams and how we create results based on our senior leadership teams. 
I could never have told you 10, 15, 20 years ago that this was the area of work that would have lit, lit me up. And yet it is. 100% is. Now, could I have a marketing conversation? I actually have a client right now who needs a strategic marketing plan. And as much as I have pulled other resources in to support that, I know that, that I still have an incredible skill in that area. And if I wanted, could I just whip out a strategic marketing plan? Could we do the research and make it happen? Sure. And if, if what we can't find the resources that we need, then, then will I do that? Maybe. It's possible but I'm not looking for work in that area. It might be a skill that we pull in because it's what we need, but that is not how I go to market. That is not the kind of work that I am doing in, in my everyday work life. I'm looking for things that are playing with my strengths. Now, how do you find your strengths? So you leave little cookie crumbs everywhere you go. Think about a kid. If you watch a kid eat goldfish, my kids do this all the time. I ask them over and over, eat in the kitchen. But what they hear is, fill your bowl in the kitchen and eat it as you walk to the table. Now, luckily, we have two dogs, and they trail behind the kids, and they pick up all those crumbs. But we, we just were just on a short vacation, and the dogs were at the were at the kennel. They go to this wonderful farm. It's, we call it the kennel, but it is, it is a beautiful place. I want a vacation there. So the dogs came home, and I noticed the first thing they did was go pick up the kids' trail. Because, you know, I didn't get my broom out right away to to get to pick up their crumbs but the dogs serve that role and so for you think about that everything that you do in life leaves a cookie or a cracker trail you've got a trail of crumbs and so when you think about things that you love that light you up that just make you excited perhaps it is when you're with your if you have kids when you're with one of your kids youth groups and it's leading from that perspective. Perhaps it's certain work that you're doing in the office. So what I like to do when I'm working with a client on this is I'll say over the course of a week, what you're gonna do is work on a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So you wanna think about every interaction or experience that you have, you're giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I like this, I don't like this. Now know that this is subjective and your like is not gonna be my like because we're different people. We have different belief systems, but it doesn't matter what I like. This is about you and what you like. So if you have an experience with someone and you think, wow, I like that, you jot it down. If you have experience with somebody and you say, Woof, I don't like that, jot it down. And so we're looking for the extremes here. But if it's something that you're just okay with, it doesn't really bring you energy, it doesn't add to your energy or take from it, great, move on. We don't, that's, that's really, not as exciting, move on, don't need to record that. But what we're really looking for are the big upswings and the big downswings. Because the downswings are gonna be opposite of our zone of genius. They're actually the things that are gonna pull us out of our zone of genius. Now let me give you an example. Okay, when I'm doing my bookkeeping, it is a major down thumb for me. But you and I know that. I just shared that with you. But I'll tell you, in my first business, I did the bookkeeping for five years, five years. It was one of the things that was the hardest for me to get rid of because I had that background. I am a former CPA. I spent multiple years out of college. Talk about the, the young man we were talking about construction management. Well, I went to school and got a double major in advertising and accounting. When I got out of school, actually my senior year of high school, I told I told my mom, 
that I was going to go to school for animation. And she looked at me and she was very kind, but I could tell she was laughing behind the scenes. She said, okay. It was like, we'll see about that. But she said, okay. And then we went to orientation and I was at the College of Art and Design and I saw my mom walk up to the counselor and she said, hey, quick question for you. Do these credits transfer to any other of the colleges? I don't like say the business college. Now, I was thinking, I'm not transferring. What are you talking about? And the lady, the guidance counselor that she was talking to says, well, yes, yes, they do. Now, they don't, they're not one for one. So there may be a few extra classes that Kathleen gets to pick up if she were to choose that. And I heard this. I said, Mom, what are you, what are you thinking? She goes, well, I, just, I was just curious. But she never once told me, Kathleen, this is not your zone of genius. You are not going to end up here. She didn't say that to me. She just said, okay, if this is where you want to study. Well, I'll tell you, fast forward just a little bit. I did go to school for animation for my first semester. The true people, the, the people that really wanted to be in animation, they spent all night long, like till midnight, 3 o'clock, 6, 6 a.m. in the morning, working on their projects. They would come to class exhausted, no sleep, turning in these beautiful works of art. And here I would be well-rested, turning in my mediocre art. And I got decent grades, but I knew very quickly that this was not the path for me. And at the end of first semester, they say, hey, those of you that want to apply for the graphic design program where you can study animation, you are on this track. And those of you that don't, you are on this track or you're welcome to explore other opportunities. And then they brought in different people from other colleges with different career paths. And you know what? This lady comes in from the College of uh, Journalism, the, the journalism school, and says there's this career called advertising, and it's the business of design. I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I, mean, I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't really realize what the, the career path was for it and how you could study for it. I said, sign me up. I'm out of this. This is not for me. And I realized very quickly that design was fun for me, but it was not the career path that I wanted. It was not my lane. And had I not gone through that path just to understand it, I wouldn't have found advertising. And then I got into advertising and they said, you know, people with business backgrounds really benefit from taking some business classes. I said, oh, okay, sign me up. And in my sophomore year, I started all these business classes and I loved it. And I said, oh, I'm going to get a double major in accounting because wouldn't that be a great background to have? And I liked accounting. And so then I got this double major in advertising and accounting. And here my mom is just sitting back there. She never said, I told you so. But I very definitely got a degree from the business college. Now, I say this today because when we went for that orientation and she said, she said, by any chance, do these credits transfer to any other college? I don't know, like the business college. She knew based on my traits and the way that I was showing up, perhaps there was another path. And she was smart enough not to tell me what to do, but to give me the opportunity and guide me. And that was very beautiful because had she told me you should go to business school, 
I probably at that stage in my life would not have heard it the same way I perhaps would hear it now, where I would be open to it and, and receive feedback. It's a lot of stuff we talked about on this show about feedback and how to receive it. But at the ripe age of 18, I didn't have those skills at that point to be able to receive that feedback to hear it and to then be in action over it. So I might have been in resistance to it, like most kids and young adults at that age. So I got to find that path on my own. But the reason I tell you this story is because I have a skill set in accounting. And so when I do my books, I certainly can, but it's a big thumbs down for me. And so what I'm what I'm telling you is that you may be proficient at something. You may actually have a, a big skill in it. But that does not mean that it's your zone of genius. It does not mean that it's your zone of genius. And I think too often we confuse where our knowledge set is, like our skill set, and where our actual zone of genius is. So where you've got breadcrumbs at one, I mean, ask the people around you because you've been laying these breadcrumbs, but really look at thumbs up, thumbs down. What is lighting you up, giving you energy and what is taking it away? If bookkeeping is taking it away, outsource that stuff. There are people, and I know quite a few of them, that love bookkeeping. I mean, it lights them up. It is a thumbs up activity all day long. And guess what? They would love to do your bookkeeping. They'd love to do my bookkeeping. And so why, why in the world will we continue to do this? I actually see this a lot with house cleaning as well. I mean, very few people say, cleaning my toilet gives me joy. Cleaning my toilet gives me joy. I mean, I'm happy to have a toilet. I'm privileged to live in the house that I do, to work in the office space that I do, to have these toilets. And yet I get to bless someone else who loves cleaning toilets, that's created a housekeeping business that allows them to be in their zone of genius. Now, does that mean that every single person that would come to clean a toilet that we've hired loves that? No, I went on a horseback ride with my middle son this weekend, and I joked to my husband that he paid, he got a discount for the unnarrated version with the cranky cowboy. No joke, we get there, we say 11 o'clock ride. We get there at 10.45. This cowboy's out doing something else. At 11.45, he finally arrives and we get on our horses. He and the other wrangler are arguing. And then he says, I'm not taking that horse because if I took that horse, it would actually take, it would buck me. I'm not taking that horse. He says, the only way I would take that horse is if this ranch would pay me $1,000 an hour, or I'm sorry, not $1,000 an hour, and $1,000 a week, and there's no way they're doing that. No, I didn't know the salary of a Wrangler. I didn't know any of those details. All I know is that I brought my son, and my husband and I brought our son to have a great time in this experience riding a horse, but what I felt like was that we were an inconvenience to this Cranky Cowboy. I don't actually even know his name, so we just refer to him as Cranky Cowboy because he never gave us his name. When we went out on this trek, I really, I was about ready to interrupt this process. No joke. I looked at my husband and I said, do you want me to interrupt this or should we just let it go? And he was over there saying, Kathleen, just please let it go. Let it go. He was so afraid that we were going to be taken out in the middle of nowhere and then just left. We'd have to ride our own way back if I attempted to interrupt this pattern of behavior that was happening from the Cranky Cowboy. So I didn't. But I tell you this because 
there are lots of wranglers at lots of ranches that would have loved to take us on a ride. This guy was a thumbs down to his job for I'm sure lots of reasons that I'm not privy to, but he was a thumbs down. And so what happens when you're not playing your zone of genius? Other people notice and they don't want to be around you. I didn't want to be around this cranky cowboy. And I really, uh, you know, my son was confused. I mean, he's, he's an 11 year old. He doesn't quite get it. Why this cranky cowboy was cranky. He understand to him, you get to ride horses all day. You're outside. He doesn't have those same challenges. But what I know to be true is that that cranky cowboy, he had lots of conversations on that unnarrated tour. They just weren't with us. They were in his head. He was thinking about all kinds of different things and letting stuff get in his way. That man was not in his zone of genius. And so don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, there's more. <laughs> there's always more. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you just after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we've been talking all about zone of genius, how to find yours. Now, if you're digging in and you're saying, well, I'm not really sure if I'm playing in my zone of genius or not, remember those tips we just shared in the last segment. But I also want to share with you some examples of people that might be around you that are most likely in their zone of genius. So I'll give you some clues as to how you can see that in someone else. Now, remember, we're the best, I'm going to use the word judges, <laughs> of somebody else playing in their zone of genius. When you see it, it's it's pretty obvious that somebody's in their zone, but it's also pretty obvious when somebody's not in their zone. <laughs> so the, the ones that are tricky are the people that kind of play in the middle, where you're not really sure. They just seem kind of blah, like, I don't know. I mean, they show up every day. This is actually probably describing 95% of the workforce. They show up every day. They do their job, but yeah, there's no fire or no passion. And we don't need everybody to have their fire and passion. Yes, I want everybody to play in their zone of genius, but ultimately we, we, we want to be in that place because that's really where we are in a complete alignment. So mental health, for example, when you're playing completely in your zone of genius, those are in alignment. So those are in alignment too. So we don't see as many mental health challenges. Now, of course, there are different types of mental health. So I'm not 
taking away from some of the the challenges. These are not we're not talking about we're talking about situational mental health at this this point. We're not talking about any of the other kinds of mental health challenges that we may face. So situational mental health, that when you're playing in your zone of genius, we don't see that. Oftentimes what I see is that when we're not playing in our zone of genius, then that's when we get into some of those situational mental health challenges, which are really more like temporary depression or temporary anxiety. So that's really where you would go on medicine maybe for a short period or you would work with a counselor for a shortened period of time, but you don't actually have a diagnosis of depression or anxiety that's something that would be treated with, say, a medicine. So this is really is important. And I'll tell you uh, something that happened this this weekend, and this would be somebody that's not playing in their zone of genius. Uh, I don't have a ton of details about it other than it was something I've never seen before. So again, we were out of town with our our middle son. We took him on a 10th birthday trip. So my husband and I took him to San Antonio. So this is Noah. And uh, right outside of our hotel, there was this crane. They were building a hotel, a dreary hotel. And so it's going up. And we saw the crane. We could see it from this, this little pool area that was pretty neat. And um, we were talking about the crane one night, how cool this crane was, and how you know none of us knew how to, to operate a crane, but like, this one was huge. And I wouldn't want to be the one crawling up to the top of the crane. And this is a conversation we had. Well, after we went horseback riding with a cranky cowboy, we came back to the hotel to change our clothes. Only we couldn't get to the hotel because there were fire trucks and uh, police all around. I mean, not, not just the hotel, but like there was a perimeter around it. We didn't really know what was going on at this point, but we saw a bunch of people and they were looking up towards the crane. And so I'm looking up news sites. I didn't know the news sites in San Antonio. I'm looking it up and all of a sudden I go to this news site and a Facebook Live pops up and it's this cameraman and he's pointed right at the crane. And I could see that I looked up at the crane and there was a woman standing at the top, the point where the crane, she, the crane, it goes up and then it goes so vertical and then it goes horizontal, right? And that's how they move things. But right at that pinpoint where the vertical and the horizontal meet, it's usually a cab there. She was standing outside the top of it and threatening to jump, something I had never seen before. I'd only heard about people that were in those situations. And I can't even imagine what would lead somebody to uh, that path. But what I can tell you is that when we talk about like zone of geniuses, clearly you know, that was not the situation that she was in. And, uh, you know, it was, it was crazy to see something like that. It was um, traumatizing really to think that that was the case that it was in. And it was probably three hours before we could go back into our hotel, we went back into the hotel. And we said to the lady at the front desk, said, what happened? Is she down? And she says, no, uh, there's a limit of time that, that the uh, fire trucks can stay out there and block the roads. And so they had to move on. Oh, that would be really hard. And especially for, think about a policeman. Okay. So I know the police have come into a lot of heat. So policeman, police woman, police person, they've come into a lot of heat over the last few years about funding the police or defunding the police or any of that. And what I know to be true is that as a public servant, police person, fire person, uh, somebody that puts your heart, your heart into this, you are running towards emergencies where everybody else is running away. You're running towards the emergencies and you're there to serve. And so what I know about the people that choose those roles, now not everybody, I'm not generalizing, but I'm saying that if you look 
at somebody that's in a public role like that, they generally are in it because they really want to serve and it's something that lights them up to serve. And even though there are these hard conversations that they could have or hard situations that they're putting themselves in constantly, it's because this is where they were meant to play. So I believe that that is like, that is truly angels work to be able to run towards danger and look around at the people that you know that are in public servant roles because oftentimes they are playing in their zone of genius. That doesn't mean that you can't be exhausted because think about that. If you saw what they see every single day, that would pull at your heart. I mean, think about, think about how many times they see families ripped apart. They see destruction. They see ends of life. I mean, all these things are really big things and those could weigh on their hearts. And so so just think about somebody that chooses that path to stay in that path. Look at school teachers, for example. I can tell you school teachers are not staying in their role because of the pay. It's not about that. The golden handcuffs often don't even apply for the school teachers because that's one of the biggest conversations in public education is the salaries of the teachers. So they're not staying for the pay. But what I hear when I talk to the teachers, the really good ones, they share the stories about the students, the ones that they were able to impact or the ones that they weren't able to impact. That really weighs on them. And they get to see these students that, that they're not even really sure if they got through to them, that 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, they come back to them and they say, hey, you made a difference to me. Because of you, I insert their story. That's the stuff that a school teacher lives for. And so look at those people around you, the public servants, the school teachers. Look at, let's just go on a different one. Let's go on the business track, like even college sports. Okay, look at, look at the football coaches. Look at how intense they get into the game. Look at, and yes, they get paid a ton of money to do what they do. But if you watch them during a game, they are 100% present and in. And when their team, when they are able to be effective with their team, in a way that their team receives that, and there's really a respect that's established there, that is somebody that's playing in their zone. So think about the person that's near you that fits one of those descriptions, because that's what it looks like to be in the zone. Now, oftentimes, and this is totally a generality that I'm going to use, but the people that are in their zones, these people, they are so focused that they may not necessarily even see the things around them. Because when they're in their zone, nothing else, said time doesn't exist there. All of a sudden, it's been four hours, six hours, eight hours. So think about that. Time doesn't exist. So if that's the case, the stuff that's happening in their peripheral, they may not even see it or hear it or believe it because to them it's not existing. They're, they're so focused on what's in front of them. So focused. Now, can you get burned out in your zone of genius? Well, look at the stories we just described with the, the service men, the firemen, the firewomen, the fire police, the, the police person, or the school teachers. They lay their heart on the line every single day. So can you get burned out from that? Sure. Does it mean that you were not you should switch into something else? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but my opinion is that it's about how we cope with the things that we're seeing, experiencing, or doing. And so how we cope with that, having healthy, having healthy coping strategies so that we're able to do this work that we are meant 
to do. And building up those coping strategies around us and the people around us that can support us so that we can stay in our zone. Because when we're in our zone, that's when we create results like, like that. We just create something out of nothing. That's when we create, when our passion and our purpose is in there, when we're playing in our zone. Now, do we have to, this is a question we asked earlier, do we have to earn money in our zone? I mean, that's ideal, right? If you're playing in your zone, so the stuff that you do all every day lights you up and you can earn money, yes. But remember, payment doesn't always come financially. Payment could be in gratitude. Payment could be in joy or experiencing. I mean, think about the school teacher who sees that child struggle and she finally or he finally gets through to the kid. That moment, that's not about the money. That's about a feeling that's created when you're in connection with somebody else who finally gets it and you got that breakthrough, that is the payment for playing in your lane because you know that you can do it. And so that's the payment. It's not about the check, it's not about the money in your bank account. But I think too often we confuse payment with just monetary. I know I do, I have to really be conscious about that thought because I think of payment as monetary, but there's so many other different types of payment. And when you're working in your zone of genius, it's bigger than just financial payment. Think about all the different payments that you could receive for playing in your zone of genius. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we'll wrap this all up. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Today, we've been talking all about zone of genius, how to find yours. And if you've been listening all today and you're still listening, my message to you is reach out. I'd love to hear what your zone of genius is or if you're struggling with this concept and want to have a sounding board for what your zone of genius could be, let me know. You can get a hold of me at Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I've got a few simple questions and answers that I can ask you what questions you have the answers that I can ask you and the series of just really walking through that and saying what is it that lights you up and the biggest thing that is the first question I ask is what is it that lights you up so think about that question we may not know it but use that thumbs up or thumbs down trick over the next week to understand what is it that really does light you up what is it that takes your energy what is it that gives you energy and parents know that sometimes the activity with your kids might be draining for you. That might not be anywhere close to your zone of genius. I can tell you that there are some people that are phenomenal stay-at-home parents. And as much as I would love to be a stay-at-home parent, I know that I'm best when I have the flexibility to be present with my kids, but not 100% of the time. It's not good for my, my kids or for me. Now hear that, there's no projection on that. That is very different for a lot of different people. But I know that I'm at my best when I get to have conversations like this. And so it's okay to know that if I were to choose stay at home parent, that would not be 
where my zone of genius is. It's not that I'm not good. I have a skill set in there. I'm, I love the relationship with my kids, but I also love the intellectual stimulation that I get from conversations like this. And so know that for you, that just because you're good at something does not mean it is your zone of genius. It may be something that you have picked up those skills out of necessity. Like me, I knew how, I know how to do bookkeeping, but it's not something that I want to do every day. It's not something that I even want to do once a month. When I gave that up five years ago, I gave it up. So think about that for yourself. What is your zone of genius? And where can you, what shifts can you make to play in your zone of genius most of your day? If not all of your day, but most of your day. What would that look like? So you can learn more about this. Um, just reach out to me, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com, and we can have all kinds of conversations on that. Now, I want to share with you about a show that's coming up the end of October. I know it seems so far away, depending on when you're listening to this, but this show is uh, it's a Halloween episode that we're going to have. And we're talking about horror stories from leadership, horror stories. So I want to just spell that out so we're all clear. H-O-R-R-O-R, -R -R, horror stories from leadership. So leadership horror stories. If you've had a leadership horror story, then let me know. I will, uh, I'm still working on the format. I might bring you on the show or what I will do is in an anonymous way, capture your story so that we can share it and we can all want to have a little laugh, but also learn from these leadership horror stories. Because I do believe that at our core, we want to do our best or we want to at least show up. And that doesn't always come across the way that we want it to. And so if you've been involved in a leadership horror story, let me know. Send me an email, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I will be collecting those over the next month, and we're going to have an incredible show about leadership horror stories. When I've uh, I talked about this last week, last week's show, and I already had a few people say, oh, I've got some good ones, and I am so excited to hear what yours are. Again, we can chuckle together about the experience, and then we will be anonymous and the posting as to not offend anyone that is not our goal so it'll be great horror edition the halloween edition of leadership horror stories now i come live every single week with a topic like this one or the leadership horror stories you know finding your zone of genius all of that i come live every single week with topics that are relevant to executive leaders in how they can grow themselves and their businesses next week we are talking about better decision making faster better decision-making faster. Now, if I could give you a magic wand and say, you could make better decisions faster, that would be wonderful because your accuracy in decisions would dramatically increase. And what I know to be true is next week's show will be like that. It is not a magic wand, but it will give you some tools that you could apply that will make your decision-making, it will improve your efficiency and your speed. What I know is that there's actually a link we believe that the faster decisions we make, the worse the decision, but that is absolutely not true. The speed at which we make decisions has no correlation with the efficiency or the, let's just say, the positive or negative impact of that decision. Hear that. That was a McKinsey survey. It was not a Kathleen Reeson survey. It was a McKinsey survey that showed us that the speed at which we made decisions had absolutely zero impact 
on the quality of the decision. So that means, guess what? We can increase the speed at which we make decisions. So that's just freeing knowing about that. But we're going to dig into some even more tools that we can use to be able to make better decisions faster. It's very freeing when you use these techniques. They're ones that I use every single day, especially as I'm solving complex challenges. I'm actually waiting for the day when a simple challenge crosses my plate. <laughs> that will be wonderful. Uh, and it seems like, uh, especially lately, the last few years, it's very big, complex challenges. And as a senior leader, the uh, as you rise in those ranks, that's exactly what's happening for you. The decisions that come across your plate, they're not as simple as they used to be. And so we'll apply these same principles to complex decisions because quite frankly, whether you're solving a complex decision or a simple decision, we can make it take a really long time to get to an answer and we just don't have to. So that's what we're gonna talk about all next week. But remember today, it's about zone of genius, how to find yours. And if you're really wondering what is yours or you wanna gut check on what your lane is, where your zone of genius is, really spend the next week and figure out what are your thumbs up moments and what are your thumbs down moments. Really understand what lights you up and gives you energy versus what takes your energy. Because when you start to find that, then you're going to get closer and closer to what excites you. And remember that just because you're skilled in an area doesn't mean that that's your zone of genius. And when you tell somebody, this is my zone of genius, if you are right on, they will say, uh, yeah, you're the only one that didn't know that. You're the only one that didn't know that. And so it's okay to get feedback and ask the people around you. In fact, that's the homework I'm gonna give you. Besides the thumbs up and thumbs down over this next week, ask three people what they believe your zone of genius is. Say, do you believe that I'm playing in my zone of genius? You may wanna give them a little bit of context as to what your zone of genius is, what it, what it means, because not everybody understands that term, but give them some context on that and then and then ask them for feedback on what your zone of genius may be. If they say, no, I don't think you're playing in your zone of genius, ask them and see what they say. Now, don't be the younger version of Kathleen or you know the typical young adult and say, yeah, thanks. No, I'm not going to listen to you. Actually hear that feedback because that's really important. They're giving you a huge message. They're giving you a huge gift. Think about that, like a really big bow wrapped, really nice present. They are giving that to you when they share their experience of what feedback and what, what your zone of genius is. Their feedback is priceless, very valuable to you. So take it like the gift that it is. So I appreciate you listening today. This is Kathleen Reeson signing off from the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.